This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Today I'm talking with Felix Vandamali. Felix is the founder and the CEO of the high-tech unicorn company Calibra. Felix led Calibra for more than 10 years of record growth and is responsible for global strategy. Prior to confounding Calibra, he served as a researcher at Symantec's Technology and Applications Research Laboratory in Brussels. Felix was named the EY Technology Entrepreneur of, the, of New York of the Year. Uh, first off, Felix, it is absolutely a pleasure, pleasure and an honor to have you on the show today. And we're practicing social distancing. You're at your location in New York City, and I'm here in Virginia. Uh, so again, welcome. Thank you, Aline. Happy, uh, happy to be here, and thank you. And looking forward to this. So, Felix, getting back to where your Calibra's headquarters are and where you are, it's in New York City. Boy, what a challenging time for all of us yes. during the current threat of COVID and the recent events that brought up the issues of social and racial bias. Um, these are impacting everyone across the world, but not any, it can't be any more profoundly than where you are uh, and where the headquarters is in New York City. You know, people at when the, these turbulent times are looking for clarity, for communication, to find courage and direction from leadership. What does leadership from your perspective look like in times of crisis like now? Yes, it's, um, I mean, it's been a, a, a difficult couple of months for, for all of us with so much um, going on. And I, and I think um, what good leadership is in easy times, I think it's crucial leadership in, in difficult times. Um, so if I, if I think about leadership over the last couple of months and what we've, how we've navigated these times uh, with Calibra, I think communication is always important, but it becomes even more important um, in, in times like these. There's so much uh, angst, anxiety, uncertainty with everybody, the impact on the economy, health, family, friends. Um, and I think communication about what's going on, even if, if a lot of it's still in, unclear, is really important. So we've really upped our, our level of communication that we have with the whole team. And then uh, trying to create that clarity um, is also really important. Even if, if things are still uncertain, whatever it is, I think trying to create that clarity um, becomes, really, becomes really, really important. Um, the other thing that, again, is important at any time, but even more so when, um, when times are difficult, is having that level of empathy for um, what people are going through. Maybe even more so than empathy, just compassion. Or just understanding what, um, what people have to go through, but really also being there and helping them in, in whatever way, uh, whatever way you can um, to help people kind of through these difficult times and understanding that uh, scenarios and, and, and context is going to be difficult or different um, for a lot of different different people. Uh, so I think that's super, super, super important and really appreciated by, by people. Um, still, you still got to run a business. And so a, a way to get out of this is still focusing on the business. And so people also expect a level of decisiveness, even again, while um, a lot of it is, is unclear where this economy is going, how long is, is there going to be a recession? How long is it going to take? How deep is it going to be? Is it going to be V-shaped? Is it going to be U-shaped? So there's still a lot of things that are, that are not yet clear. But within those uh, moments of, um, of doubt, people look at leaders to be decisive and, and make the decisions uh, that I think need, need to be made. And, and going back there, I think for us, we always go back to our values as kind of our 
or guiding posts in these difficult times to make sure we make the right decisions, even like I said, when things are uh, unclear. Um, with that being said, I think it's also important to kind of continue to kind of believe and, and have faith and believe that things are going to get better. Uh, I don't know who said it first, but I, I really believe that things are never as, as good as they seem, but typically never as bad as, as they seem either. Um, and so I think that's, that's just an important thing to, uh, to remember, remember as well. Um, yeah. So you and the founders, uh, you know, not only is it, you know, turbulent times, but you and the other founders built Calibra from an idea to startup and now a high-tech unicorn with hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Um, clearly, you are a strong leader with, the, with your clarity and, and uh, decisiveness uh, through these turbulent times. Um, but you've also been able to execute on that vision no matter what. It, has there been an event or a person that have influenced you over your life uh, that gave you the strengths to do what you do today? Um, it's a good question. I don't think there's really one person necessarily. Um, there's been many, many, many people. Um, and that's really how, how, I, how, I, how I think about it. Um, it's super important to surround yourself um, with, with, with a great team. I, I truly believe that it's a bit of a cliche, but it's really, it's really the team. And that of course means the management team, your leadership team, all your colleagues within the company, but also your board of directors, your investors, peers, mentors. Uh, really surrounding yourselves with, with different people, I think it's super important. And the way I like to work is, uh, I, I like to get the opinion of just one person, maybe 10 different people. Uh, because it helps you really create context and, and look at problems in different ways, maybe in ways that you hadn't thought about before. And then it's ultimately again up to you to make uh, make the decision. So it's not so much as, as one person uh, that I um, that, that would be my mentor, uh, but it's really surrounding yourself with just great talent with a lot of experience and using that as a as a source of, of context and input as you as you navigate and, and grow the, the company. But maybe that's, I think. If I would have to pay uh, this one person that I think I've been having uh, weekly early Monday Skype calls with, and that's our chairman of the board, uh, Tony Marie. And he, he's been with us since the very beginning when we started the company uh, in 2008. He was the first person we, we, we showed our business plan to, to version one. Uh, and for some reason, he believed in what we did, although I'm pretty sure he didn't understand what we wanted to do. And ever since, he, he has been uh, kind of a mentor and a coach as we've grown the company and every Monday morning, I still have an, an 8 a.m. Uh, Skype call with him to just check in and see what's going on. And then sometimes that takes five minutes and sometimes that, that call takes 45 minutes. Um, and I, but that's really, really important to have as you uh, grow the company, your, your role evolves. Um, it's, it's, it's been really valuable. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. And today we're talking with Felix Van Damiel, CEO of Calibra. Felix, um, I have been uh, at some pretty large companies at the time when they were very early in their early stages of startup days, some of the iconic companies like Oracle and EMC and VMware. And from my observation, leadership is clearly a major factor in whether a company goes from a startup to a hyper growth company like Calibra is today. Um, what lessons have you learned as a CEO of Calibra do you feel would be helpful to maybe some other potential startup leaders out there? Yes, it's a, it's a good question. It's, um, I don't think there's a silver bullet, right? Every company is unique and, and different. Um, every context is different. And it also depends on the stage of the company. What you need to accomplish as a very small, young company is different than what you need to accomplish now where, where we are. And as we, as we continue to 
to grow and, and become bigger. Um, what was really important for me, and I think something that uh, companies that are growing quickly often struggle with, is what I, what I talk about internally as well, is evolving from a, a pirate ship to a navy. Right? In the beginning, as an analogy, in the beginning, you're in a sense a pirate ship in the sense that there's nothing to lose and it's all about survival. And the only thing that really matters is, is again, depending on what the company does, but for us, it was building our product and, and finding customers uh, and making sure we have enough cash in the bank um, to keep going. All the, all the rest didn't really, didn't really matter. Now we're in a very different situation right now. We, we've grown the company tremendously. We have a lot of customers, we have partners, we have employees, we have, we have shareholders and investors. And so you can't run the same company in the same way anymore. And so you have to be really thoughtful about all the different stages as you evolve as a company um, and evolving from that pirate ship to a Navy, uh, because that, that's, I think, really, really important. Uh, what, you try to, what you should try to hang on to as long as possible is to, to have that culture of entrepreneurship, right? That can-do mentality, moving fast, uh, getting things done. I think that's not something that you want to lose as your company grows and evolves. Um, but in order to do so, uh, when, when you're 10 persons, 10 people, that's easy to do. When you're 100, it's a little bit harder. When you're 500, it's a lot harder. And the way we think about that is you have to, along the, along the, along the way, build kind of that culture of discipline uh, because that, that's much better than build a culture of kind of process and compliance because then you become a kind of bureaucratic organization, which, which you don't want to become. But building that culture of discipline along the way, make sure that you can continue to kind of um, grow fast, um, execute well, uh, even while you're while you're becoming while you're becoming bigger, and and what that looks like can vary, of course, in in, in those different stages. Uh, but that's something that we've we've talked about internally, and we we like to use as an analogy to to just think about how we as a company change every single year. Wow, that's great, great uh, advice, sage advice for the 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 next uh, leaders of the next uh, startup and hypergrowth companies. What is the best leadership advice you ever received? when you were first starting out, did you have anybody who gave you some advice that you've just held close? Yes, it's, um, um, it's a good question. The way I think about it is, is so much, I mean, the most of the advice you, you hear is true, but they're, it's kind of obvious in a way. It's all about what you do with it and how you really execute, uh, execute on it. Um, but I ultimately truly believe it's all about the people. Um, it's all about the people uh, that you bring on board. It's all about the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, also all about the people that you, that you hire and the team that you build. Ultimately, I think that's the most important thing. All the rest kind of flows from that. And there's obviously a lot that goes into that. But having, as, the, as they say, the right people and, and on the bus and the, the right people of the bus um, is important. Having the right people in the right places is, is truly important. It, it, it really changes. And... I think, so it's a personal story for me, I think what was hard for me in the beginning is that you don't really know what you don't know. Like I, I had no idea what a great CFO looks like. I had no idea, uh, no idea what a great uh, chief marketing officer or chief revenue officer really looks like. And so you have to push yourself to meet with a lot of people and to keep pushing your own boundaries or your, your own um, kind of way of thinking continuously forward. Otherwise you think you might have fantastic people, but you don't really know um, what, 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 uh, what other people you could attract. And I think that's been a real learning for me personally. Um, to, uh, so it's an easy saying, like surround yourself with the right people. It's all about the people. But I, I, there's a lot that goes in that and, and really keep pushing yourselves to find that fantastic talent um, is, is something that's, I think, incredibly important. 
I'm speaking with Felix Van Miel, CEO of Calibra. After the break, we'll discuss how to handle important decisions and how to make them in good times and in crisis. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. And today I'm speaking with Felix Van Miel, CEO of Calibra. So, Felix, as I mentioned earlier, what are the most important decisions or type of decisions you can make as a leader of an organization, especially as a startup or a hyper growth company like yours today? Um, yes, I go, going back to what I said before, uh, it's around the, the, the people. Uh, so, so who you, you surround yourself with is, is some of the, the most important decisions um, you will make as a, as a leader. And I've heard it when, when we started Kudibra, you, you, you always hear the, the same advice or um, that you, you, you're gonna make the, the mistake that every first time CEO makes is that, is that you're, um, you let go of people too late. Um, and I said, well, now that I know that, I won't do that again. And, and of course I did. I, I did make that mistake because we're all human and, and we really care about um, uh, our, our colleagues and, and, and friends. But that is a really, uh, really important um, kind of a decision um, or again, how you how and, and who you surround yourself uh, with um, is incredibly incredibly important. Um, the other the other thing is that as you evolve, and I talked about evolving from the pirate ship to the navy, how you make decisions and what as a leader decisions, what decisions you should make, and and, and what decisions your team uh, or the rest of the organization should make becomes really really important. Something that that we've started to to uh, to use as a bit of a framework that helps us really also creating clarity about. Who, who is supposed to make what decision? And you think that's an obvious thing, but it becomes really important as you grow, um, having the clarity that people know what decisions they can make and what decisions other people should make, um, who should be involved in a decision, who should not be involved in a decision, and what each of our roles is in a, in a decision becomes really important if we want to make um, fast and good decisions. And so the, the framework that we started to use is, uh, is Rapids. I'm sure there's many frameworks that could work, but it helps us make it really explicit uh, who should be involved in a decision, who should just give input to a decision, who should recommend a decision, who ultimately is the decision maker. And I think that should always be one person. Uh, you, you can't have multiple people make a decision. Now there's multiple people that Im impact the decision and have influence over the decision. Um, and it's important to be explicit around that as well. But I think the most important aspect of a decision, which is often overlooked, is not the decision in and of itself, it's making, the, making sure that the decision actually gets executed. And being really explicit about, okay, we make a decision, but then who is actually going to be responsible to, to make sure the decision gets executed is, is incredibly important uh, because the decision doesn't end with making the decision. It descends by making sure the decision is implemented. And that's something that I've, I've, uh, I've focused on quite, quite, quite a lot. So have, when you, do you have any stories of, of, of when you had to approach a really tough decision? I know uh, I, I hear a clear theme that uh, people and culture is extremely important at Calibra, mm -hmm. but you've had to make some pretty tough decisions along the way. Do you have any stories of, of how you came to the conclusion that you needed to make a tough decision? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the reality is often you, you need to make decisions without perfect information. Um, and there's often, um, um, various aspects of a decision that, um, that, that could make it a good or, or a bad one. So the question is, how do you make those? And then we like to go back to our values. Uh, again, it ties back to my earlier theme around it's all about the people, the theme, the culture that you create. So it's, I think it's really important as a leader that you are consistent with your decisions and people recognize the values that you have in the company in the decisions that you, that you make. Otherwise, it's, it's just words on a wall. 
And so, especially in the difficult decisions, going back to the values and using those as kind of a, a, a guideline or a guiding post um, is really important and helps you um, helps you uh, stay, stay true to your to your values as well. And if any decision, you, you can test whether they uh, align to your values, and if they're not, if it doesn't, if the decision doesn't align, it's a it's it's a it's a yellow yellow flag. So coming back to the values, especially in the difficult decisions, is, is something that we've, we 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 always do. And we also then always very openly explain why we've made the decision and, and then going again, tying that back to our values is a really good way for, for the whole team to um, kind of understand why we made the decision. Um, and it creates that consistency, creates that transparency, and it creates that level of trust uh, that, is, that is so important. You're listening to Leaders in Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and I'm speaking with Felix Van Meel, CEO of Calibra. You've stated uh, in this interview and in past interviews as culture and people are being the biggest factors in uh, starting a successful company. What do you believe is a relationship between leadership and culture? How does leadership affect culture? Yeah, it's, I think culture goes, um, goes beyond leadership. It, it really permeates the, the entire organization. It's, it's every little thing that people do when, when you're not watching. And I, I like that quote. It's, it's culture is really what people do when, when nobody's watching. That's when you know what your real culture is. Um, and in the beginning, it's, it's very implicit. You just, it is who you are. And so very often with, 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 with um, technology company startups, the culture is very much set by, by the founders in the beginning because that implicitly becomes the way things are, are, are being done. And as you grow, it's important to be much more explicit around your culture because, again, like I said before, it's all about the people. And so the culture and the values linked to that is really what I believe is, is ultimately what makes, for example, Colibria really unique. I think all the rest um, uh, can be replicated. I think the culture and our values ultimately makes us a, a unique company, it makes other companies also, of course, unique uh, companies. So it's really important to, to, to safeguard that and, and, and really really thoughtful about uh, what you do uh, with your culture. Like I said, as you grow, you need to be much more explicit around your culture and, and what we've done and what, what others typically do is, is kind of ingrain it in a number of values. But then again, more so than just the, the, the names that you give those values, like I said, it shouldn't be names on a wall. It's really to be super consistent with how you actually operate along those values. Um, it should be part of your leadership style, your entire management style be, across the whole company. How you make decisions um, uh, really, really shows whether you're living your, your values or not. And I think the important thing in, in that as well is what I believe is really important with leadership is authenticity. Uh, do people believe you or, or don't they believe you, right? And being authentic in what you do and who you are is incredibly important. You can't just fake that. You, may, you might fake it for a little time, but you always, it's always going to come, uh, come true. So having your culture and your values really be well aligned with your own beliefs is important as well and it creates that level of uh, trust and authenticity that people uh, really really care about. Peter Drucker had a famous quote, uh, many famous quotes but one I love is culture eats strategy for breakfast. I don't think he meant that strategy was unimportant but rather that a powerful and parent culture ensures a much greater success. Uh, do you believe that helped fuel Calibra's success? Absolutely. Um, and it goes back to what I said before, it, it, it starts with the people, right? I think it's the same way of saying culture is more important than strategy making it always anything that we do, it, it starts with, okay, um, uh, who, who, who should do this? The, the who, I think, is, is, is the most important um, question. And then strategy evolves over time, plans evolve over time. 
but if you have the, the right people, um, I think you can you can be confident that you're gonna uh, figure out what the right strategy is, adopt the strategy, things change all the time. Uh, and so in that sense, I think culture is more um, more foundational, if you will, if you, if you will, than, than strategy. Uh, I think strategy should evolve more and plans for sure should evolve more than your culture and your, and your values. So it's more foundational. So I, I would fully agree with that. It's, it's more important uh, than, than, uh, than strategy. Now, strategy and execution are incredibly important, but getting, getting the team and the people right is, is where it starts. I love the way that you positioned um, culture with combined with strong trust and authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing I believe that's more important than having the right culture if you're going to achieve change because you have to have that trust. How do you approach leading an organization to adopt major change? What is your strategy to keep the team focused on something that maybe most people believe is kind of impossible? Yes, it's um, it's uh, it, it goes, it's actually make, making it part of your DNA, making it part of your, your culture and your values. Like one of our values at Colibra is we embrace and drive change. Um, and we do that internally as a company because we're growing incredibly fast. So every year, I talk about the fact that we're going to be a different company every single year. We're going to be a better company every year, but it's going to be different. Everything we do, we're only going to do once because every year, we truly, we are a different, uh, different company. So we've really made that part of our culture, part of our values. And so that means that we talk about it a lot. And again, going back to what I said earlier, if, if you make decisions, it's important to go back to your values and, and your culture to see if these are the right decisions. And so it's something that we as a company can always go back and point back to our value of embracing and driving change for people to understand that this is normal, that this is something that we have to do. Uh, we have to do to become a better company every, every single year. Um, and, so, and so what we've done is really make it part of, of, uh, of, of our culture um, and, our, and, and our values. I'm speaking with Felix Van Miel, CEO of Calibra. Coming up next, we'll talk about how marrying your passion, your skills can really drive your career. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal New Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and we're speaking with Felix Van Neel, CEO of Calibra. In the last segment, we talked about change and the importance of culture. Over the last decade, the technology landscape has drastically changed with the evolution of cloud computing, AI, quantum, and 5G. How do you believe these technology advances will change our lives in the coming future? It's, it's, I think it's incredible to see how fast things are evolving. I'm especially bullish on, on, on AI and how AI is going to have an impact uh, on, our, on our lives. Um, and, I, and I think, um, I mean, I'm biased, but I do really think that data is going to become even more important. I think it's going to be truly become a foundational um, aspect to almost all of the, the technology advances we're, we're going to see. I think there's a famous um, quote, I think, by Mark Andreessen that said, software is eating the world. I think we have seen that over the last couple of years where uh, things are becoming much more uh, focused on software. I think about um, Tesla as, as a car, for example, which was hardware for such a long time. Now it's almost more software than, than, than hardware. Uh, but I believe that, um, that in a way data is going gonna, is gonna to eat the world where I think that the real differentiation isn't going to necessarily be in software anymore. It's going to evolve into, into the data and who has access to that data and to unique data sets. Because if you think about AI and machine learning, a lot of the algorithms that are being used are open source. They're, 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 they're worked on by academia. That's not where the differentiation lies. The differentiation lies in where do you find the data to train those algorithms? Um, and I think so that's going to become 
truly foundational. If you think about Internet of Things, it's all about it's all about data. Think about 5G, it's all about um, kind of speed of, of data, volumes of data, connectivity. So data truly becomes that foundational aspect to all of these advances and, and technological advances, advan advances that we're going to see over the next couple of years. And I think there's a, a real opportunity, but also responsibility to treat that data right. Uh, right? On, on the one hand, we need to um, kind of um, leverage the value of that data, making sure it's, it's high quality, it's understandable, it's easy to find, people can really leverage the data in, in the best way. But also the fact that there's a lot of responsibility to make sure we treat data in the right way. Uh, there's obviously privacy concerns that are going to become really, I think, important. And again, a differentiation as, a, as an organization, when you have the trust of your consumers that you can actually do something with their data, because typically, uh, as we see today, most of the data actually coming from, from, from the consumers, uh, it, it gives you a competitive advantage. Uh, so even more so than just making sure you comply with important privacy regulations, it's also from a, from a just a business model perspective, having the trust of your consumers, of your customers, that you can do something with their data um, is, going to be, uh, is going to be profound. And so uh, data is, um, you often hear there's a new oil. I think that the analogy there is that it's valuable. Uh, we like to say that data is, a new, is like water in the sense that it needs to be clean. It needs to be available to everyone everywhere. I think that's, that's really powerful as well. Um, and that's why we often talk about the data citizen as, as a concept, as, 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 a, as really the data citizenship in, in the sense where as a citizen, you have certain rights, but you also have certain responsibilities. That's what makes everything work. And so with respect to a data citizen, as a data citizen, you have certain rights around data in the sense that you, you should have easy access to the right data that you can easily understand that, that helps you do the right thing. But you also have certain responsibilities as a data citizen to treat data in the right way and to, to be responsible around the data, around quality, but also privacy and things like that. So I think ultimately, I think data is going to fuel a lot of those um, uh, technology advances. And I'm, I'm incredibly excited uh, what the next couple of years is going to bring. So, you know, data is, is you've heard the term garbage in, garbage out. And, yes. and with AI, as models are being trained, if they don't get the right data in there, sometimes just as well as it can give you really good decisions, it can give you not so good decisions. And there can be some pretty big unintended consequences. And during a crisis, people rush to applications to solve the crisis, but there can definitely be some unintended consequences, especially from a privacy perspective. Um, you know, some of those apps that, you know, track you know, if you've been in contact with somebody with COVID, great app to actually, you know, keep track of that. But at the same time, your whereabouts and what you're doing is, is being tracked. Um, how can we address some of these unintended consequences? And how in particular does your company help uh, somebody create some governance around that? Yes, I think that's, that's a really good point. And, and I, while I very much believe in, in, in the power and impact that AI can and will have, I think it's only going to happen if, if we, if we um, solve that aspect of AI in the sense that um, AI can be dangerous as well, uh, in the sense that, let's say, an algorithm decides whether you get a loan or not, or whether you get, um, um, uh, whether you can, I don't know, um, go to college or not. I mean, already today, a lot of really important and impactful decisions are more and more going to be made by an algorithm, and the algorithm is going to be trained by data. And, and so if that data isn't right, if there's bias in that data, the impact can be really severe. Um, and, and so it's really important um, that, we, that we treat that seriously. And, and so 
creating transparency around that data, making sure it's the right data, it's high quality data, it's, it's, there's no bias in that data, is gonna become really, really important. Otherwise people are gonna not just question, but just frankly, rightfully so, not use the AI because um, the, the outcomes are, 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 can be pretty problematic. And so making sure that we treat that data correctly and then the whole concept around data governance becomes, becomes incredibly, uh, incredibly important to make sure that um, we put in the right controls that we know how that data actually has helped train a certain algorithm, that transparency uh, is gonna become really, really important. And so um, it goes back to what I said around the, the data citizen that, that uh, on the one hand, we should uh, make it easy for, for, for people and companies to get the most value out of the data, but we should also help companies make sure that they treat data correctly, uh, that they have the right controls, the right, the right policies, the right uh, privacy compliance, the right quality gates around, around that data. And that's really what we do at Colibria um, to help on both, what we often call uh, defense and offense. You have to play defense to make sure you do things the right way. You'll have to play offense as well to then help, um, help, help companies and, and people get the most, most value of, of, out of your data. And that's where the concept of data governance is, uh, is so important. The president's management agenda cites that data is a strategic asset to the United States. A key step of the federal government's data strategy action plan has now been completed. The chief data officer council just met in, at the end of January, marking an important step for the federal government's pursuit of harnessing its data as a strategic asset and also protecting it, as you said. What are your thoughts on the plan that is laid out in its importance as, you know, as it pertains to one of the US's uh, most strategic assets, data, as you put it, data is the new oil. Exactly, I think it's, uh, it's, it's um, a great sign. It starts with realizing, accepting how important data is and putting it, and treating it the way it should be treated. So I think it's, it's a great sign that, that, uh, that the government is taking this very seriously. Um, so I'm, I'm very um, uh, positive on, 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 on to see what, uh, what's gonna come out of that. Um, and I, and I think there's a lot of opportunities. If you think about as a government, that's an incredibly complex or a large organization. There's so much opportunities around um, uh, creating efficiencies as how data is being shared across agencies, for example. Again, always doing it in the right way with the right controls, uh, but also making it effective and efficient. And, and we see that with our customers, commercial customers, uh, also large companies, how much efficiency gains that can create. And I think that the same opportunity is there uh, for the government is making sure um, the right decisions are being taken. Um, again, uh, using data to, to guide decision-making. And it is an incredibly complex problem. There's so many different data sources. There's a lot of context around data that's often unclear. And we, we see that live um, with kind of the, the COVID pandemic right now, how important it is to, uh, to have metrics around testing and, and things like that, and how much different definitions there are and how that impacts our ability or inability um, to, to, to use data to make decisions. So I think it's a really important um, step that the government is taking and um, I'm eager to see what, what's, uh, what's gonna come. From a leadership perspective, which do you believe is most important to an organization? We're gonna switch gears a little bit here. Um, mission, core values, or vision? Um, I think at, at um, I might sound repetitive, but I think if you go back to what I said earlier, it starts with the people, it starts with the values. I do think ultimately um, values is more important, but they are, um, they are very, closely um, re related. Uh, if you think about mission and vision, one way to attract the right people and, and to get people excited um, and, and join the team is, is to get them excited about the mission. That why, the why, the who is important, the why is also very important. That's how you're gonna attract the right, the right people. So having a mission that matters 
that people believe in um, that is important um, is, is really important. And so uh, our company's mission at Culibria is to make data meaningful. And we, we, we mean it in two different ways, one around make data meaningful tactically in a sense that people know what the data means and they can actually do something with it and it becomes valuable. But making data meaningful also in a sense that it truly has an impact. It makes a difference. It, it becomes meaningful for the organization uh, and it, it truly makes a difference whether you, whether you have it and you can do something with it or, or whether you don't. And so I think that's a really important uh, mission and, and, and that's something that really uh, we all kind of rally around. You're listening to Leaders in Legend and Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black and today I'm speaking with Felix van der Miel, CEO of Calibra. Next, we'll find out what Felix's advice is to the next generation of startups. You're listening to Leaders in Legend and Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders in Legend and Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm speaking with Felix Van Demiel, CEO of Calibra. And, you know, Felix, in the last segment, we spoke a lot about the importance of uh, keeping your data smart. And we talked a little bit about culture and leadership. But the next element you have cited over and over again is people. And I was able to read a past interview of yours, and you said, the most important hire you've ever made is your director of HR. Uh, tell us about what you mean by that. Yes, it's, it's definitely true. And, and we said people come first and it starts with the people. And, and one way that we've kind of executed on that is, is hire a head of HR, we call it chief people officer, relatively quickly, typically sooner than, than, than most other high growth uh, companies would do. And, and looking back, I think that was a really good decision on, on my part, not just doing that, but also then actually the person that we that we, we found and and, uh, and got on board um, really made made a real difference because it goes back again to what, what I said earlier around evolving from the pirate ship to navy. In the beginning, everything happens kind of automatically and is simple. But once you start really scaling, you go into hyper growth, and that's very unnatural for an organization to grow over 100% every year. Uh, it's very few things that that have exponential growth, and as as people, we actually it's not easy to deal with, and everything becomes hard just because of the volume. And, and, and velocity that everything needs to needs to move and everything is gonna change. And again, going back to them, what's most important, making sure you have the right people on, on, on board and around you and, and, and as part of the company, uh, we made a decision to hire a chief people officer uh, really early. And on the one hand, it helps you with the very tactical things, which are really still really important around recruiting. If, if you're gonna hire, the, 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 I think we were hundred people at the time and, and in one year we hired over hundred people. So we more than doubled the company in, in one year. So just the tactical way of actually getting that done is really important. But then imagine the, the, the change that, that drives through the organization where you go from 100 people to 200 people in just one year, uh, if, if not more, everything changes and everything that used to work kind of starts, starts breaking. Um, and, and, so, and, and also around kind of your values and culture because you bring so many people on board, uh, you need to be really thoughtful about um, how do you make sure you, you, you keep your culture intact, you keep your values intact, you maybe uh, grow your values and change your values slightly because you always have to be open uh, to that as well. But I think that's that's really, really important. I think that's something I definitely would recommend all high growth companies do invest heavily in your in your people organization. Uh, it's an investment that's going to pay off um, massively and, and it starts with having a really good leader there. You can just feel your passion about what you do um, and just listening to your comments. Um, clearly, you married your passion with your capabilities. Do you think that has really fueled your success in your career? I do. I think it goes back to the authenticity, right? I don't have to fake it. This is, I really, I truly care about what we do. I truly care about how we do it. Uh, I think uh, going back to our mission around data, it is incredibly 
important strategic, uh, not just for Colibra or for our customers, but even on, on the even society level, I think what we do is important. I think how we do it is just as important. I would truly care about um, the, the, the company we build and the way we build it. Um, I think if I think about what really drives me, it's not just our mission, but also being able to look back and, and just be proud about what we've built. Um, I, I'm, I'm a builder. I, I was a builder in, in, uh, in the beginning where I was still uh, coding and, and, and programming. Uh, now that is evolved, and I, I think of myself as building uh, this company. And I just want to be proud. And, and, and as I look back and, and look, at, look back at what we've built, and we've built it not just um, the right thing, but also in the right way. And I think that really drives me, and that's something that I care a lot about. So if I was to go back to Felix at uh, 18 and asked uh, what you'd be doing in 20 years, what do you think he would have said? What he said being CEO of Cleaver? Um, I think unlikely, I think not a lot of people would have, would have, would have thought that I'd be here where I'm right now. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think, I, I, like I said, I cared about really building things uh, from a very young age. And of course, what, what you build is different, but uh, um, and that's where I studied um, computer science because it's an incredible opportunity to really build things. There's very few uh, constraints that you have when, when you're in, in, um, in biochemistry or in, in, in pharma. Building things becomes really complex because it just it takes so many people and, and, and so long. If you're an architect, you can build things, but it requires a whole team and a lot of resources and hardware. I think it's software is just an, empower, an incredible opportunity to build things really quickly. Uh, so that, that really attracted, uh, attracted me. And then as I made, had made a decision after I, I graduated um, computer science, uh, degree whether I would continue and, and do a PhD or, or whether I, I should start a company or go work uh, and become an employee somewhere. I think that whole um, feeling around wanting to build something, not write about something, um, and I think really drove my decision to actually start start Kudibra uh, in 2008. My, frankly, my first job ever, um, and kind of never thought uh, we would be where we are today. But the other interesting thing is as you go along, you keep um, pushing your, um, your boundaries forward. And if you think if you'd asked me 10 years ago, if, if we would have accomplished what we have accomplished today, I think there'd be an incredible outcome and, and I would call it a great success. But being where we are today, there's so much opportunity that you see, so much that you want to and, and can continue to build and really have an impact that you just keep going. And, and that's, that's what's, what's been on my mind for the last 10 years. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. Today, we're speaking with Felix Van Miel, CEO of Calibra. Now, you wrote a blog that I just read, and I love, by the way, about fatherhood and leadership. Tell us uh, your thoughts on that. Can you share with the listeners out there a little bit about this blog and, and some of the points you made in it? Yeah, absolutely. So I I became a father for the first time three years ago. So I have, I have two daughters. Uh, the oldest is three, uh, the youngest is, is one, one and a half. So, so young, two girls. And, and I, and I, uh, it's, um, it's funny because um, some would argue that Kudibria uh, was my first, first child in, in a way. And I think there actually are a lot of similarities with starting a company, growing a company and, and becoming, a, in my case, a father, a parent. And, and seeing your, ch your children kind of grow up and, and, and what, does do, what it does to you as, as, a, as, as a father. So I think there's a lot of analogies. And in the blog, I really write about that. And, and for example, in the beginning, when they're, when they're just born, they're little babies, they're so vulnerable. You have to take care of them every single minute of every single day. You can't leave them alone for, for a minute or uh, you, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And in a way, the company is the same thing. In the beginning, it's so vulnerable. Uh, anything can go wrong. And typically, often things go, go wrong. So you have to 
of take care of it every single day. And that was my, my first couple of years with Colibria. I was just 24-7 all the time, never off. But that evolves over time. Like the company grows. Um, and we've talked a little bit about, about that here, like growing from private ship to Navy. You have to, your role as a leader changes. You have to let go. You have to trust people to make decisions. Um, small problems become big problems, but they become different problems. You don't necessarily fear about um, the, the existence of the company, but, but, but still, so there's a lot of analogies. And, and I see that with a, as, as, a, as a parent as well, where as they grow, um, they change. The other thing I really realize is that every single moment you're only gonna experience once. Again, your kids grow up so, so fast and we often say uh, long, the, the, days, uh, the days are often long, but the years um, go, go by really quickly. Um, and, and I think you have the exact same feeling growing a company. The days are often long and, and, and hard and tough. There's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs, but the years go by so quickly. Um, so it's interesting to think about the analogies uh, between uh, between both. You took some pretty big risks along the the time journey you've had. You moved completely from Europe to the U.S. and moved the headquarters. Why did you do that? Why did you move to New York City? And do you plan to continue to build your headquarters there? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's, it's one of the, the decisions that we made that ultimately were, were very important and really was a big factor in our success. And it, it also um, showed a little bit of, of our mindset. From the beginning, we always said we're going to do everything um, to make Colibria successful. And that always was our number one priority more than anything else. Colibria always comes first. And obviously that, that, still is the, that still is the case today. And from the beginning, and that, that's one of the maybe good things about starting in Belgium. Belgium is a very small country. So we realized from the beginning that we're only going to be successful if we um, if we're going to be successful internationally. And so we had a very international view from the from the beginning. And frankly, I believe at the time I still believe that software companies are are, are made in the U.S. Right? If almost all of the the large successful software companies are ultimately U.S. companies. That's the largest market, and uh, and then that's where we where we wanted to be, and that's where we need, where we needed to be. So very, from the very beginning, we had a focus on um, on going to the U.S. There's also a very tactical reason where in the beginning, uh, when we started, you, you sit at your desk and then you question yourself, okay, what do we do now? We, we didn't have any backgrounds. We, we all started a company for the first time. So who, who do we actually call to start getting customers? And so the way we approached this as we wanted to find the people that really understood what we did. Um, and so there's at the time, a very small set of people, then it was really important to find that, that, that set of people. And what we found is most of those people were in the US. And so that's where we actually start traveling to the US. That's where most of our, of our leads and ultimately our customers became US customers um, and, and we followed our customers. And it goes back to uh, one of our values still today is that we are customers champions. So we are very, very, very customer focused. Um, and so we've always followed our customers and our customers got us uh, to New York uh, because at the time uh, we, we sold mostly to large financial service, uh, large banks. Um, and so that got us to New York and today the US is by far our, our biggest market. Um, and so we, we've made uh, New York or, uh, or headquarter. My guest today has been Felix Van Miel. Felix, I just want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and some really very valuable advice. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. It's Kristen. Did you know that not doing things is easier than doing them? 
There's a lot of things to do, especially this time of year. But when you don't do things, there's more time to do things. Does that make sense? What I mean is when you use Shipt to get everything from gifts to groceries delivered same day, you have more time for the things you want to do. To not do things so that you can do other things, visit shipt.com slash holiday. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com slash holiday. Hey, electrical contractors. I'm Matt from ABB. Are rising costs and product delays keeping you up at night? We can help you contractor better. ABB's contractor resources are designed to help you increase productivity and profitability on your commercial construction projects. Check out Contractor Better today. Visit go.abb/contractorbetter.